With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. You're listening to a weekly podcast made by Miami Dolphin fans for Miami Dolphin fans. Your source for entertaining Dolphin news, insight, and general conversation. Here's your host, Michael Fink. Hey, it's a wonderful Wednesday here, and uh, I'm here with Louis Argoni. Hello, Dolphins. Now, you might wonder why I say it's a wonderful Wednesday. Well, it seems everybody hated uh, Chan Gailey, and he is gone. Big news, Lewis, huh? Yeah, it is. It is big news. It, it came quick, much like a lot of the head coaches. They got the axe, you know, right after the season ended. And yeah, was it Black Black Wednesday? <laughs> Black Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this was, you know, this this was happening one way or another, uh, regardless of of what the situation was down the stretch and how the season ended. I think that. Um, you know, I didn't agree with the move from the beginning. You know, I was against it. I've been very <laughs> verbal. You've been vocal about it, outspoken sure. about him. Yeah, and his and his play calling. And um, you know, me and you would go back and forth about it during during the games as we were watching them. And um, you know, there's there's a lot of questions. You know, in regard to how he took the team over and what direction they went in and what he was trying to accomplish. And honestly, Mike, I can't tell you what he was trying trying to accomplish from week to week. I, I had a problem with the fact that you didn't see a lot of different things going on, per se, from week to week as well, far which, as What I got from you was you weren't happy with his creativity. Exactly. Well, I mean, listen – you're going into certain games when you're in five receiver sets with the five receivers that we had on the field at the time. I mean, you're missing Parker, you're missing Grant. You had these type of guys out, and we're not very deep at that position. And that's that's basically what you present to the opposing defense. I mean, I have a major problem with that because you're not putting our most talented players on the field. And... um you know, that doesn't help you in any way, shape, or form. Then there's other times where, you know, you're running jet sweeps at the five-yard line. You know, just isolated things. You know, I don't really want to say that Tua's issues were because of him because I'm not buying that. I think that, um, you know, when you're on the field and you're seeing things, you know, you have to run the football team. And uh, people are running different pass patterns, Mike. It's not like, you know, when they're calling pass plays, there's – there's five guys all running within two yards of the line of scrimmage. You know, I mean, everybody has a job and everybody has a different pattern to run. And it's up to the quarterback to uh, recognize and, and make the plays. So, you know, I'm not going to blame him for, for two of his failures this year, but I think as a whole and his philosophies were a major problem over the course of the season. He was not a proponent of the um, wide open offense. He he likes a more conservative offense, and uh, you know with Fitz, obviously he was he was okay because he 
had confidence in his ability to throw the ball. But uh, he's, you know, he said that he just doesn't like the no huddle and he doesn't like the hurry up. And uh, obviously, it was beneficial for Tua because he was successful running it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they they were different circumstances over the course of games where. You know, that dictated what they had to do. You know, when you're playing Kansas City and you're falling behind, you have to go to a different paced offense. You have to start throwing the ball a lot more. You have to be aggressive. But early in games, when you're lining up in five receiver sets, Mike, it, it's contradictory to what his philosophies are. It doesn't make sense to me. And that was the whole issue with the offense. They never had an identity under, under Tua through the second half of the season. Uh, you know, you can make an argument for it even when Fitzpatrick was in. Um, you know, I think that he just carried us. I mean, he over basically he overcame whatever play calling was being made and he just made plays on his own. He put the ball in in uh the wide receiver's hands and he recognized blitzes and, and ran the ball in situations and he created on his own. I don't know if uh Gailey deserves any credit in regard to how the <laughs> offense was playing even early in the season. I mean, you know, it, it, it's really tough here. It really is. But the bottom line is, is that he's gone. You know, he's gone for a reason. And that that's just the way it is in the NFL nowadays. You got to produce. And if you don't, you're not going to be around. Um, well, let's, let's slow down because we don't know what happened. He may have legitimately resigned. He did not enjoy this year because of the COVID situation. He made that known several times. Right. And uh, he's, you know, 68, 69 years old. So it's very possible he just said he had enough. I mean, because, you know, Flores spoke yesterday and he said he expected all of his assistants back. And then today, boom, gone. Right, but we've heard that type of thing before, well, Mike. You all know, I'm saying I mean, is it's possible that, that that he really did resign, and then there was no, uh, you know, no no uh, cause for him to be fired. So right. we don't we don't know. Uh, that's all I'm saying. I mean, it's very possible he was fired. You know, and, and they keep it nice just to send him out, you know, comfortably. But uh, whatever the case, he is gone. We do have to go forward, and I think that this is a critical, critical decision that Flores is going to have to make because, you first of all, you've got a rookie quarterback who you have to groom, and you can't be changing the offensive coordinator every year as he's done tw- twice now. Right. And uh, it's not beneficial to anybody, you know. You, you, you want Gesicki and you want the younger players to have an offense and get better in it. And we all know that year to year the offense grows. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're taking a step back to go forward is really what I'm saying. And I I don't like that. Right. And, you know, Tannehill, we went through this with Tannehill. He had, I think, three or four different yep. coordinators in the time that he was here. So, Mike, this was my whole issue with hiring an older guy like Gailey to begin yep. with. Because, I mean, honestly, how long you, – you draft a young quarterback and then right. you pair him up with an old coordinator. Uh, you want guys to basically – grow up together, so to speak, you know? Yeah. I mean, you could have had a much younger offensive coordinator come in here from the beginning of the year. Now we're back to square one. 
And, you know, that it, it's not only Tua, it's the whole offense exactly. in general. It's the offensive line. It's yeah. it's the wide because receivers. Because you know what happens, you know. Lewis? The, the new offensive coordinator is going to come in, and if he doesn't like that line coach, he's going to be gone. If he doesn't like the running back coach, he's going to be gone. The quarterback coach, he's yeah. going to be gone, exactly. right? I mean, you know, it's, it's a tough situation, but um, at times, honestly, if the players are made, if you have the right players, Mike, they overcome all of that. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay is a perfect example. He's had a few different offensive coordinators over the last couple of years, and uh, he still excels. And and that's the bottom line. You know, we've got well, to get players in here that are going to be able to make plays regardless of who's calling the plays. And, and you know, yeah, that, no, no that's question where it about starts. That. But what I, all I'm talking about is, you know, the, the when you're not familiar with the offense, as you would be if you were coming back to an offense, you tend to make more mistakes. That's all. Right, exactly. You're not, I mean, listen, they executed pretty well in regard to penalties. And, they did. You know, we didn't see a lot of holding, a lot of illegal procedures, but that falls on Flores and, and, and those guys, you know, as far as what they do as far as discipline is concerned. They do a great job of that. Flores, as far as his job on this football team, has done an outstanding job. Past that, I'm not so sure. You know, I mean, Gailey w- was, you know, I questioned a lot of things that were going on, and unfortunately, it continued to go on week in and week out. I mean, this is what I like to see, Mike. I like to see different things taking place over the course of different games when you're playing against different defenses and different teams. And a lot of the times, I saw much of the same when uh, when he was making play calls. I mean, there were games where, I, I would call you and tell you, why are we in this five-receiver set again? It has been unsuccessful over the last couple of games, and we're right back to it, and we're right back to being unsuccessful. And, you know, our third down efficiency, again, was horrible, like you well, mentioned. I'll, t- I'll tell you this. With, with yep. the five-wide receiver set, it's probably not as bad as you think it is. The problem with the five-wide receiver set was they had five sacks when they run it. Right. Uh, well, I mean, it, it's the personnel too, Mike. Listen, we're not putting points on the board, so I don't care what you know what set we're in. If we're in a if we're in a five receiver set and we're not we're not getting first downs out of those formations, then it's a problem. If we're not getting points, it's a problem. And you know, the offense was pretty much anemic over the whole second half of the season. So whatever the case may be. That was a problem. I mean, the defense basically carried us, you know, the, pretty much the whole yep. second half. So, well, I would say the first half too, really. Well, anyway, uh, so you know, to me, Lewis, I think the the uh, defense was our strength the first half of the season too. You know, we just did not have a lot of talent on offense. Now, hopefully, as as we go through this off season, uh, they'll uh, kind of rebuild that a little bit, and we'll be excited next year watching all these new players making those. Uh, game-defining plays. Absolutely. I mean, listen, when we had offensively middle of the seat, well, after the first game, our offense actually did do some really good things. I mean, Buffalo, 28 points. Jacksonville, 31. Seattle, 23. San Francisco, 43. The Jets, 24. I mean, they were scoring points. I mean, they, you know, they, they were doing a very good job in that 
you know, that early part of the season, they were carrying their own. Let's well, let, we let, were getting some help from the defense and special teams too. So keep that in mind. You know? Well, that that came more towards the middle of the season. If you remember early on, Mike, the defense was way behind the offense, yep. and we and we discussed that. Yep. Towards the middle of the season, when we played teams like the Rams. Uh, the, you know the Jets six in week six eight. That's when our defense started to play and and make plays. Now they were doing it early as well, but the offense was carrying their own. Okay, mm-hmm. getting back to that, the second half of the season, the offense did really in most of the games they really did not carry their own. The defense carried us, and it wasn't more of a, a mutual thing. Whereas in that early part of the year, I I felt that the offense was doing more than enough. And, you know, the point totals were there. I mean, we had some really good football games offensively. And um, for whatever reason, you know, we struggled the second half of the year. So keep in mind the second half of the season, you had two playing for the, the majority of the time. Right. And it, a lot of that has to fall on um, the coaching as well. You know, Gailey, because there weren't adjustments made. And, you know, I'm going to refer back to that because if you see something not working and the offense isn't isn't doing well, then then make adjustments during the year. I mean, during the week, you know, uh, you've got a different opponent week in and week out, and you know that they're going to try and do the same thing the defense did the previous week. And, uh, you know, you just didn't see a lot of it. I mean, you know, second and two, we're running the ball right into the line of scrimmage. Third and two, <laughs> the same exact thing. You don't have guys in motion. And then the following week he did, and we were successful running the football. I mean, you know, I mean, you can sit there and watch football games and we can criticize all we want. You know, we've got to get better football players and the players that are out there got to play. They got to play better. They got to play at a higher level. And Gailey got the ax and he's going to get the blame for a lot of this. But the bottom line is, is that, you know, guys got to catch footballs. Yep. Quarterbacks have to throw to players and give them opportunities (laughs) on time. And, you know, it's a combination of a lot of things. And the coaches always get, you know, get the grunt of it. And this is another case of that. But with all that being said, I wasn't a big fan of his play calling this year regardless. So that we know. (laughs) Yes. Hey, guys, this is Mike again, uh, breaking in for a second just to ask a favor of you. We would like to request that you go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review and rate the show. Uh, Let us know how we're doing. We'd very much appreciate it. Thank you. And fins up. So the team gave out their uh, end-of-season awards. Uh, Most valuable player was... The most valuable player was Jason Sanders. You know, it could have been, but it wasn't. (laughs) It was Xavier Howard. Xavier, yeah, he was. He had a good year, absolutely. Ten interceptions. Is that what yep. he wound up with? That is. And, and he had uh, had a couple more in his grasps too. I mean, he could have had thirteen or fourteen. Uh, you know that he yeah. made great plays on that yep. almost came up with picks. Yep. So, yeah, uh, he, he's the uh, the first defender to log ten or more interceptions in a single season in over a decade. Wow, how about that? Huh? Yeah, he had a pretty special season. Isn't it funny, Mike, in the NFL nowadays is where they just won't challenge guys, right? Yep. If they, if you're a shutdown corner, you just don't see the ball throwing your way. For whatever reason, and we talked about this uh-huh. in one of the podcasts, I think you actually brought it up, they throw at Xavier, and yep. every week he burns them yep. in, in one way or another. So, hey, you know, all the power to him. Keep bringing it. 
and yeah. he'll keep bringing it. And yeah. uh, congratulations to him. It was well-deserved. Yeah, he um, really had a phenomenal season all around. I mean, he was covering well. He, he was uh, really an impact, and, and you like to see that because you need players like that. We keep talking about it. You need game changers, and he's been a game changer. Yeah, he's one of the very few we do have. Yep. Now, the leadership award went to uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh, okay, yep. Can't yeah. argue that, right? Not at all. Um, I love the guy. Simple as that. That's what he brings to the table. He brings a lot to the table. But uh, since he's been here, Mike, and you know, I get into arguments with my son and other people all the time in regard to him and his career. And well, well, he was playing some of the best football of his career while absolutely. he was here. And, and while he was in Tampa as well. You know, he's really put his game together. Uh, yes. late in his career, uh, you know, he's a, he's a guy that if you put behind center, you've got a chance of winning the game. Right. And that's all we care about. Yep. Right. I don't care about what he did five years ago in Buffalo or anywhere else. I care about what he's doing week to week for the Miami Dolphins. And I'll tell you, over the last year and a half, he's been just phenomenal for us. He's done a great job every time he's called upon to do so. I can't say enough about him. I mean, who was it, Mike, that that said something in regard to uh, the Facebook page that said, this is the first time in a long while a quarterback's got me to jump in and out of my chair yeah. from time to time. Yeah, I don't, and, I don't and remember who said it. right. He hit it right on the button. Um, you know, that's the way I felt, you know, well, with some I, of the plays that were made. What I'll remember is his ridiculous pass against the Raiders. That was just ridiculous. And uh, – uh, you know that's the type of player he is. You know he's he's gutsy. He's he's fearless. He's uh, a guy that will take chances, and, and you know he won a lot of those chances this year, as as opposed to maybe earlier in his career. Exactly. So fearless, I, I, fearless. I enjoyed watching him, and uh, you know I mean look, he's not the best quarterback you're ever going to find, but he's certainly fun to watch, and uh, he's a competitor, and that's that's the best thing you could say about him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now the Courage Award went to uh, Bobby McCain. Okay. And I don't know what, you know, what the criteria is for winning that award, but uh, he got it. So now the Community Service Award went to a couple of players. Uh, It's basically they awarded it to their uh, social impact committee, which consists of Byron Jones, Christian Wilkins, Patrick Laird, Kyle Van Noy, and Landon Roberts. Okay. So, uh, and that's, you know, obviously for their community work and, uh, that's fantastic. Congratulations Byron Jones, to all yeah, Byron, guys. Byron Jones was, uh, you know, uh, submitted for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, so mm-hmm. as okay. a nominee. So that's good stuff. And uh, they, this team, uh, they really do as much as any other team does as far as uh, community help and fundraising. They're constantly giving meals and and doing all kinds of stuff uh, to help the community, and they really should be praised for it because they go above and beyond. Absolutely. And they do it on their spare time. Yep. Which is which is fantastic. I mean, these guys over the course of the football season, I mean, their schedules are just brutal. Yeah. And I'm sure the whole COVID situation made it even harder. Oh, I bet. Uh, for them to do things, you know, be separated from from people in general. I mean, so congratulations to those guys and um absolutely. I mean it, it, it's a great thing as to what they do. So we got some playoff games this weekend, Lewis. Unfortunately, the Dolphins won't be in them, but they're going to go on anyway. 
the first game this weekend on Saturday is, is the Colts at Buffalo, and uh, the Bills are a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Mm-hmm. Wow. I think I may lay some money on Buffalo. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> a, low, it's a low number uh, Yeah, with, with the way they've been throwing points on the board. Yeah, I watched Indy a little last week, and uh, Jonathan Taylor carried them. Phillip Rivers did not look good. Um, Buffalo's offense is just on a roll, so uh, I'll tell you, six and a half points is not an awful lot. I mean, that's a nice number mm-hmm. for all you betters out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, f- the game at four o'clock is actually four forty. Is the is the Rams at the Seahawks, and uh, the Seahawks are three and a half point favorites. Yeah, that'll be an interesting game because the Seahawks are just strange this year. I mean, Russell yeah. Wilson's been up and down. Their offense has been up and down. Their defense isn't it's what not it quite used as good as it used to be. Exactly. No, it, it, it's an average defense, yeah. and the Rams are the same way. They're so up and down. Goff is up and down. Uh, he didn't play last week. Uh, Coop didn't play last week. Uh, their running game. I know they have a couple backs that have been hurting in and out of the lineup. So that that game would be really, really hard to call as far as I'm concerned. I don't know which way that one's going to well, go. I, but would, I would lean towards should... the favorite, the Seahawks, but uh, not right. by a whole lot. And it's a three-and-a-half point spread. So that, that's, you know, it's a, that's a tough number. I think I would leave that game alone. It's a tough number. I mean, that Ram defense against Seattle's offense is the key. I mean, Metcalf and Carson get going. You know, Seattle will win that football game. But uh, the Rams defense is tough. Yeah, well, I'm thinking, you know, Goff versus uh, Wilson, and uh, you know, you're going to take Wilson. I'm yeah. going to take Wilson. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Buccaneers at Washington, and that's uh, Wash. At, let's see, Bucks are eight point favorite. Washington getting eight points, and that's the night game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll be. Isn't it funny how Brady always winds up in prime time? Yes. You know, you know, <laughs> I mean, come on. That to me, that's probably the worst game out of the three, and that's the prime time game. Yep. Uh, you know, competitive. Well, you know, the Buffalo Colt game. You can make an argument for that, but um, yeah, it, Tampa should should beat them up pretty good. I mean, Washington, oh my God, what a joke that whole thing was with Peterson, you know, in regard to what he did, benching, you know, their quarterback in the fourth quarter. I mean, the giant players were just tweeting all kinds of crazy stuff, and he got so much grief over that, Peterson. It it made no sense, Mike. I mean, there's something behind that. Yep. In regard to that move, I don't know if he just didn't want the Giants in the playoffs. Whatever the you know he has a vendetta against him. I don't know what the situation was, but that move made no sense whatsoever. And um, you know the Redskins got in luckily because the Eagles actually could have beat them. So I don't see them beating Tampa. I think Tampa's playing pretty good football right now, and uh, they should roll in that one pretty easily. So you'd lay the eight points? I would. Yeah, I would. Yeah. I think they're going to beat them by a couple touchdowns. Yeah. On Sunday, their early game is the uh, Ravens at the Titans. Uh, we'll see our friend Tannehill. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Titans are getting three points. Yeah. Uh, that game will be interesting as well. I mean, Tennessee's defense is just pathetic. I can't see him winning that football game with that defense. The Ravens, if they play decent defense against Henry, I wouldn't concern myself with Tannehill, even though he's had another pretty solid season. But if you contain Henry, and I think Baltimore will be able to, I think they'll beat him up. Um, Tennessee's defense has just got – I mean, they're just 
they're just horrible. I mean, they barely won last week against Houston. Yep. I mean, they had a dink that dunk, dink, dunk that field goal at the end of the game off the uprights <laughs> to pull it out. That was crazy. It was crazy. And, uh, you know, Houston won four games all year and they struggled. I mean, that was a playoff game for Tennessee, basically. Yeah. So uh, with that being said, you know, I think Baltimore wins that one. We agree again. Um, Bears at the Saints. Now, the uh, uh, Saints are giving 10 points. Mm, that's a big number. It is a big um, number. It's a big number, and the Bears have played a little bit better of late. Uh, you know, this this game comes down to Breeze, basically. Yeah. Uh, he's been somewhat inconsistent since he's come back. You know, Peyton does a good job of coaching that team up. Uh, the Bears are pretty solid on defense. Um the kid Montgomery's been running the football good. I think this game will be a little bit closer than what people are expecting, but the Saints will still win. I don't know if they'll cover the 10, but I think that they win that football game for sure. They're the better football team. I agree with you. I think I would take the Bears plus the 10 points. Yeah. Browns at Steelers, and the Steelers are uh, six-point favorites. Mm-mm-mm. Looking wow. forward to that game. That, that should be a fun game. It should be a fun game, but again, here's Cleveland, right, who has struggled down the stretch here. Uh, They barely beat Pittsburgh last week when Pittsburgh had Roethlisberger and a a lot of their guys resting on both sides of the football. So when you look at this game, and every game is completely different, I mean, I don't see any reason as to how Cleveland would beat Pittsburgh, but... Pittsburgh's been somewhat inconsistent down the stretch as well. Well, that's it. Their offense is hot and cold. They're hot and cold, and their defense has a lot of key guys missing at linebacker. They've had some big injuries to some of their better players that are not coming back. So I'll tell you, if Cleveland can get their running game going, I mean, this game could be really tight. And um, Roethlisberger's got to play better football than what he's been playing. It's that simple. And – you know, he no. had a great second half against Indianapolis a couple of weeks back, but the first half he was absolutely pathetic. So we'll see. You know, that's that's an interesting game. It's a tough game to call. It I really think. is. It really is. It could go either way. I don't know that I would uh, be confident in picking Cleveland. I, I almost think you have to take the Steelers, but it, yes. wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if the Browns uh, upset them. Agreed. Yeah, I'd take Pittsburgh. If I had to, you know, if I had to pick a team and and even the spread, I'd probably take Pittsburgh with the spread. But I think it's gonna be a you know, pretty pretty tight ball game for the most part. I mean, those those teams are just so inconsistent and you, you just can't get a feel for them. And usually going into these playoff games, Mike, you see these teams just getting like Buffalo. Like Buffalo's just right where they need to be right now going into the playoffs. They're they're where you want to be, right. And they're the scariest team right now above above Kansas City as far as I'm concerned because Kansas City has not played overly well down the stretch. Now, maybe they're getting bored and, you know, they're the Super Bowl champs and now, okay, this is where they turn it it up a notch. But I'll tell you what, right now, Buffalo, for my money, is the best team in the AFC. And uh, we'll find out over the next couple of weeks if that, in fact, is the case. They very well might be the best team in the NFL. It, that's a possibility as well. I mean, Green Bay's been playing pretty good football. I mean, listen, Aaron Rodgers, you know, over in the NFC, I mean, Lord, he is just, you know, I'd never want to play against him in a playoff game. I just wouldn't want to do it. Agreed. 
Um, you know, he's the guy that scares me more than anybody in the NFL. You could throw Mahomes in there. Mahomes is fantastic, but if I'm going against a team in the playoffs and the quarterback is Aaron Rodgers, I, I don't want no part of it. No part of it. What Rodgers does better than anyone is make that clutch throw when he needs it. Right. Late in the right. ball game. And he doesn't panic. I mean, Mahomes is right behind them on yep. that level. Yep. Uh, but Mahomes has got a ton, I mean, a ton of talent around him. I mean, Aaron Rodgers makes some of those guys. I mean, past Devontae Adams is outstanding, don't get me wrong, and Aaron Jones is an outstanding running back. But, you know, the, the tight end, Tanyan, and, and some of those other receivers, they don't match up to the guys that Mahomes has to work right. with. I mean, Kelsey's the best tight end in football. Uh, Tyreek Hill is one of the best wide receivers in football. And all those other guys, they're just built for speed. Uh, they need to get Hilaire back. I don't know if he's back this week, but their running game needs to be there come playoff time. I mean, if they rely solely on Mahomes, Kansas City could struggle a little bit because uh, you have to have a semblance of a running game or at least the threat of it. it, it you know, Because if you don't, then you're going to just fire off on Mahomes the whole game and say, okay, we're, we're not worried about you running a draw play or running right. the ball here and there. Right. We got Zach Thomas, and uh, he made the uh... – finalists for the hall of fame this is the second year now right yes yes he, mm -hmm. he made it last year as well okay now the uh, class is you know the finalists is 15 of them and uh, let's just go through them real quick Well, how many of them is there a limit as to how many can be can be selected from year to year or no usually five of, of these guys will make it and uh they'll they'll have a senior make it and uh whatever else they decide from there. So you've got five out of the 15 guys. Five out of the fight. 15, I believe. Okay. So you've got Jared Allen, defensive end. You, I'm sure you remember him. Of course. Yeah, Minnesota, really good. Yep. And Kansas City. Yep. And Chicago and Carolina, too. And Chicago and Carolina. <laughs> 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 yeah, Minnesota, he just, he was, whew, he was a beast. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's where he was probably at his best. Okay. Uh, Rondé Barber, defensive back. Very good player. Yeah. He played with the Buccaneers, for those who mm -hmm. don't know. Mm -hmm. Tony Baselli, uh, tackle for the uh, Jaguars and then the uh, Houston mm -hmm. Texans. Mm -hmm. yeah, good, good player. Yep. Very good. One of the best tackles. When He had a very short career, though. Yeah, he did. 90, he played 95 to 2001 with uh, the Jaguars and then played a season that he spent on injured reserve with Houston. Yeah, he basically had a five I mean, very similar to Dwight's, uh, Dwight Stevenson's career. Very, very short. Yep. Uh, but he he was fantastic in that short amount of time. Okay. Yep. Leroy Butler, the safety for the Packers. Mm -hmm. Another very, very good football player. Alan Fanick, a guard with the Steelers, Jets, and Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Okay. Torrey Holt, wide receiver with the Rams and the Jaguars. Okay. Good player. Yep. Calvin Johnson, wide receiver with the Lions. Mm-hmm. Calvin Johnson. Boy, what a beast he was. Uh-huh. He was tough. Very tough. Okay. I think, think if I was looking for a receiver, I wouldn't mind having him. Not at all. John Lynch, free safety. Uh Played from 93 to 2003 with Tampa, and then he played three years with the uh, Broncos. Broncos at the end, yeah. Yep. He was he was excellent. Nasty excellent. player, nasty player. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
And, uh, you know, you got Peyton Manning, and I don't need to define who he was. I mean, he's he's going to make it. Yeah, he's uh, won. Yep. He, he's won for sure. Yep. Uh, Clay Matthews, uh, linebacker, played with the Browns and the Falcons. Yeah, he was excellent. Yeah. Now, he had a long career. He did. He he was with Cleveland forever, and he yep. was he was there – he was their main guy over there on that defense all those years when Kozar was there. From and all 78 to 96. That's wow. a long time for a linebacker. That is. Just on that alone, he should get in, right? Yeah. Playing 20 years at the linebacker yeah, I would position? So. Okay. Uh, Sam Mills, another linebacker. He played for the Saints and uh, the mm-hmm. Panthers. Yep. He was excellent. Solid player, yep. Richard Seymour, uh we played for the Patriots and the Raiders. Uh, he was with the Patriots uh, 01 to 08. Mm-hmm. Pretty good player, but he was a Patriot, so I can't, I can't, you know, I can't. I don't see it. Right. I got you. Zach Thomas. Everybody knows Zach Thomas. Uh, mm-hmm. He played with us from 96 to 07 and then uh, spent a season in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Uh, never looked right in a Dallas uniform. Not at all. Didn't play right in that uniform either. No, he didn't. I think he was, you know, the concussions got to him by then. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reggie Wayne, uh, wide receiver with the Colts. Uh, probably Peyton Manning's best friend. Yeah, he was He was great. He was absolutely great, Reggie Wayne. Well, even when Luck came on, I think he was yeah. still there. And, uh, you know, he he uh, he didn't stop catching balls. He he was fantastic. I think he's in. I mean, if I had to pick between him and Torrey Holt, Oh yeah, uh, you know Wayne's Wayne's the better guy. Yeah, I agree. Okay, Charles Woodson. Oh, he's a shoe in too. Absolutely, yeah. fantastic he, player. He played for the Raiders and the Packers, uh, and uh, he had a pretty long career too. Started in '98 and played through '12. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, I mean uh, Reggie Wayne, I think is probably a shoe in. But I, maybe it's between him and Calvin Johnson. You know, I don't know if both would get in, but I think one of them will. Well, Johnson Johnson retired prematurely. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many seasons he had. He played he, from 7 to 15. 7 to 15. So he played eight strong years. Uh, he was great. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't know what his career numbers were compared to Torrey Holtz, but uh, – I don't think Calvin's getting in. I mean, I think you've got Woodson. I think you've got Reggie Wayne, um, Peyton, Peyton Manning. I would say Clay Matthews, Clay Matthews. is going to get in. They yeah. love to get guys like that of that era in there, uh, especially a guy that played 18 years at the linebacker position. And he he was just a, a really, really good football player. Yeah, and then who's um, your fifth? <laughs> the fifth, it's, you know, it, it could be any number of those guys. I mean, Lynch. It could be was, Woodson. It could be Lynch. Uh, could be Zach. Well, Woodson's getting in, Mike. I had yeah. him as okay. one of them. I mean, he's he's getting in. I mean, he was another guy that played for years at a very high level. I mean, a very high level. Always made plays. Was always around the football. Um, he was involved in the in the Tuck, the Tuck game. You know, against New England. I think he's the guy that hit Brady, wasn't it? I believe so. Yeah, he came around on a blitz and nailed uh-huh. him. Anyway. Uh, with all that being said, the it, it listen, it's a toss up. I mean, Leroy Butler, John Lynch, uh-huh. I'd probably favor Lynch a little bit more than than uh, than Ronde. Butler. Uh-huh. Yeah, Rondé was excellent too. Again, but I'd still go with you know, I'd still go with Lynch over him. Um, you know, there there's some tough. You know, you got Baselli, short career. 
Fanica was very, very good guard, offensive lineman. You know, they tend to like spread it around a little bit. So you may see maybe one of the offensive linemen get in. Um, Zach is going to have a hard time of it. Um, you know, I think it's going to be tough for him to get in. He's all those guys are very deserving, but, um, you know, those first four, I think, are definite, um, with the exception of maybe Clay Matthews. But uh, the fifth one is – it, it could be any number – any one of them. Any one of them. Yeah, Sam Mills was no slouch either, so, you know. Oh, it, Sam Mills was excellent, yeah. Yep. Uh, they, they all – Mike, all the guys you mentioned were just outstanding, outstanding football players. Well, Every obviously, obviously, and they wouldn't yeah. be where they are. But, uh, yeah. you know, it, it's tough to pull five out of that and – uh not that it's – I mean, it, it's tough to decide who's more deserving is really what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, when you say Hall of Fame, some of those guys, Tory Holt, I mean, I know the numbers may be there and stuff. I don't look at them as Hall of Famers. I look at that. I mean, he was a very, very good receiver. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes statistics – you're in a position and you're in a circumstance and your your statistics get blown up. It makes you a better football player than you actually were. And I'm and again, I don't want to take anything away from some of these guys, but when you look at guys' careers and you see the circumstances where they were, like uh, Holt was with that those Ram teams that that's all they did was throw the football. Yeah. So do you value that over you know a guy like say? You know, Reggie Wayne, who was on just incredibly good teams for years and just constantly made plays over and over again. And maybe his numbers weren't as big from year to year because their offense was a little bit different. But, uh, you know, if I had to look at the two of them, you know, I think Reggie Wayne is the much better, not much better, but the better football player and the more deserving. I look at him as more. Well, of the I, I would agree with you, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Torrey Holt had a lot of uh, good receivers around him. He and, did, but uh, but you know, so did so did Wayne. I mean, it, Marvin Harrison was on the opposite side for years. I mean, that, yeah. that was an incredible tandem. And Harrison's there already. You yeah. know, he's already in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So that's true. Uh, what does that tell you? I mean, we we talk about this all the time. Was it Peyton Manning or was it his players? Is it Aaron Rodgers or is it these receivers? Because everybody that seems to go through Green Bay over the last some odd years, Aaron Rodgers seems to make them into just a phenomenal football player, right? You had Donald Driver, you had so many guys come through there, and now you've got Devontae Adams, who in my opinion is the best right now. Mm -hmm. um, he He's just unbelievable. I mean, what did he have, like 18 or 20 touchdown catches this year, and he missed two games? I mean, he's just insane. This is the type of guy that we need, damn it. Yes, we yes. need him on our football team. We need playmakers. Let's go. Let's get him. Both sides of the football. We got X-Man on the defensive side. You know, Van Ginkle, to some extent, seems to be developing into that type of football player. We still need a linebacker. We, we absolutely do, Mike. But you know what? When, when you talk about Van, I don't want to get on, you know, the Dolphins right now. That, this is for another show. But Van Ginkle, this is technically his rookie season, and he made a lot of plays. So you you got to expect him to improve. And he's just got an eye for the football, and you just got to love that type of player. This is what we need on the offensive side as well. We need guys that, you know, even if they're not 
you know, the greatest athletes or whatever, but somehow they have a nose for the end zone. Somehow they make plays. And that's what we need. I said this morning, if you take Devontae Parker and give him Grant speed, then you've got what you need. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's not happening. I mean, no. you know, Parker is what he is, and I love the guy. I think that he needs a compliment. I mean, Reggie Wayne, like I just mentioned, had Marvin Harrison on the uh-huh. other side. They complimented each other. Parker, when our boy Preston Williams is in, uh, they do an okay job together. When Preston Williams is out, what do you have? I mean, look at the guys that were lining up opposite him. And you throw in the fact that he missed, what, two and a half or three games? I mean, he missed quite a few games down yeah, the stretch. That, that hamstring he? bothered him all season. Yes, exactly. And and how how about him playing through the injury through the first eight, nine games of the year, right? Yep, Before, yep, you know, yep. he finally gave in, or it may, it may have even been later than that. But Parker's an outstanding football player. We need compliments to him. A big play receiver on the opposite side is an absolute necessity because then Preston Williams becomes – your third option, and that's fantastic. That upgrades your three receiver sets big time. I mean, Preston Williams, I like the kid a lot. He's got to stay healthy. But, well, that's it. He's got to stay healthy, can Right. He? He's got to get into a groove at some point. Now, listen, we, we've been down this road before, with right? With Parker. Yeah. Uh, for years. I mean, and it was longer than two years, Mike. It was more like three or four years with Parker. It was. It was every single year. So... He's going to be on this football team next year, Preston Williams. Parker will be on this football team next year. It's up to the Dolphins to get a good young stud receiver to complement those guys. Then everybody will look better. I mean, we need a threat. We need a big-time threat. We need a Calvin Ridley, a Julio Jones, a Devontae Adams that I just mentioned. We need that. Justin Jefferson, the kid that was drafted in Minnesota this year. All of these guys are just outstanding, outstanding football players, and we need that. And then you'll see the other guys' numbers go up as well. Well, it's coming, Lewis. Yeah, I hope so, it's coming. Mike. I really do. It's coming. That's, really that's why they accumulated all those draft picks. So well, we say that every year, though, Mike. It's got to come. It's got to come next year. It's got to spoil my fantasy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to come. It's got to come this year. There's no question about it. Four early picks. It's got to come. We got to get playmakers. Yep. All right. Anything else you'd like to add? I think we're good to go. When are we coming back? Well, next week. Next we'll be Wednesday. Back next next Wednesday. No yep. Monday show. No, Monday's over. All right. So everybody knows that we're season. coming back yep. a week from now. So they don't want to go to where they are and they see this show or older shows and say, where's the new show? It's not there, right? Right. So we're going Wednesday. Sounds we are good. going Wednesday. That's our that's our normal day. And that's what we're going to do going forward. Right. All right. Unless, unless you know, there's an unforeseen circumstance and we have to switch a day or whatever. But you, generally speaking, it's going to be Wednesdays. All right. Sounds good. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Lewis, thanks for joining me. And, Very welcome. Uh, until next week, fins up. Fins up, doll fans. All right. So that's our show for this week. I just want to remind everyone that the Fin Fans podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network.
Social Podcast Network.